the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. Once to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. I'm Sharon Kleina. The show is about the power of water and water life science. Over 11 years ago now, I started the show for people to be better educated and remind us all, even those that are uh, very much of, let's say, authorities on expertise of what is happening on our planet, living with the solar system, with water and water vapor, our body water. All life on Earth is the water. The water, without it, we wouldn't have life. And without the vapor and the air, water vapor, there would be no clouds, there'd be no rain, there would be no life. Evaporation is the word that we've been teaching. It was forgotten. The body is made up of organs that have a certain percentage of water. Living with the water vapor and the atmosphere of our air and the water on the planet that is sitting there alive. All of this is an organism of life, living life. When you walk in a puddle and you look out at the sea and you look out at a lake and a stream and a river and the rain coming down, it's all life, an organism. You are life of an organism because if you're water, without the balance of water in your body, you're going to die. The body is made up of certain percentage of water, but it evaporates every day. You lose water every day. And that's why drinking water is so important. The water vapor of the air is like the womb of your mother and life in the womb of the earth. To give earth its breath to be alive, for you to be alive. But it gives us its breath for the rains and the clouds and the changes of the weather. It is vital. It evaporates too. The water on the surface evaporates. Yes, we have aquifers that are below the earth, and those aquifers are full of water. They say, and I'm taking their word with their reports, there's plenty of water below the surface of the earth for a long eternity because it keeps replenishing. But on the earth's surface, we've been diminishing what is on the earth by letting it run to the, sur- to the sea, to the ocean. And the oceans are coming up, but our water on the surface is depleting. So therefore, we, the water vapor in the air is also having a change. We are over-evaporating. The air is evaporating too quickly. Now, today we're going to have two guests to discuss. We have Dr. Conrad, who will discuss an MD. His specialty is the dehydration of, of the body and your, your life and what is happening with the, uh, the air 
And then we have Dr. Cecil, Dr. Dwayne Cecil, who is a PhD, who's been with NASA and NOAA, and a consultant globally on water, climatology, and atmosphere. Both of them will be discussing with me and listen closely of what some of the research has discovered about our lives and what is happening with the climate. It is changing. Earth has changed forever. From the beginning of time, it changes. And when it changes, it's also being affected by the solar system with its change along the way, no different than the first rain began on the planet Earth. And when that first rain began, it was because of evaporation. And the rain came down, and all of a sudden, here we are today with what's going on in Texas. In Texas, in the United States, they had a hurricane. And then all of a sudden, here came the rains to surprise them with as much as they, 50 feet of rain is going to be determined here that they've already had over 20 feet of, of rain coming down. And the, the effect of what is happening, even though they've known forever this could happen, that all of a sudden here it is. It has happened. And so far, fortunately, thanks to what everybody is doing, from the President of the United States all the way down to the Governor of Texas, down to all the resources and leadership the people, we have not had the loss of lives that could have been if they weren't prepared and getting ready for helping everyone to be safe and save lives first. But the power of that water is destructive. And if it does get to 50 feet, we're going to find out historically, probably one of the most historical tragedies in the United States is the power of water. But listen to our show today, and I think you're going to find it very fascinating with the timing and what we're going to be learning. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know the surface of your eye is 99% water? The organ of the eye is connected to the brain that's 85 to 90% water. All of your organs through the body have a percentage of water. But the surface of your eye, when it's evaporating at the tear film, needs a supplementation because they have been able to discover that vision impairment to blindness is over-evaporation of the tear film. The eye drops cause a trauma. But if you're misting with nature's tears, I missed to supplement with tissue culture grade of water with a mist before you apply the eye drop, then the eye drops can function to slow down that moisture loss. But you need that supplement of water to supplement the over-evaporation of the tear film. You can use it several times a day for all ages as often as you wish. You can even take it on board plane and use it because of the horrible humidity on board plane. Our lives have changed on this planet. We're learning about technology, but with Nature's Tears I Missed, you're able to have a handheld 
portable device with a bag-on-valve technology. There's a little bag inside the can. It's called bag-on-valve technology to be able to protect and have a healthier, sterile supplementation to the eye, knowing that's cleaner than the water vapor of the air. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back with Dr. Khan Drat and Dr. Cecil. Thank you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Tondrat, are you with us? Yes. Uh, hi, Sharon. Um, a well, pleasure hi. to be on your show. Well, I, we've had you on before. Thank you for joining us again. We're going to have another guest today, and I, you'll be meeting him when he comes on, Dr. Dwayne Cecil. He's a Ph.D. He's been with NOAA and um, NASA for many, many years, consulted all over the world with the climate, the atmosphere, and water, and really is an authority on evaporation. And that's something that you and I will be discussing with the human eye organ and the eclipse, but I'll have three topics today that I'm going to kind of tell you about. One will be the eclipse, but the other one will be the atmosphere and um, the climate of what's going on in Texas. And then another one, we're going to talk about what is happening with sound waves and how people can be affected by sound waves in their eyes and and more because of the atmosphere. So... um, We'll wait, wait for Dr. Cecil to come on any minute. Dr. Cecil, are you on with us yet? Okay. We'll have him on in a minute. Dr. Condrite, um, now how do we pronounce your name to get that correct? Uh, Condrat. You pronounce it Condrat. Drat. Condrat. Condrat. Okay, yep, now, you got it. Condrat. Give our audience a little background of who you are, what you do. I could read this, but I would like you to explain what you're doing and how, why you started out in the research you're doing. Well, I started out as an ophthalmic surgeon, and I thought I had all the answers from my surgical training. I thought that any eye disease could be cut and put back together again. 
And, of course, I did a lot of cataract surgeries, laser operations. And then I discovered homeopathy, which is an unbelievable modality to truly heal the body. And the way I discovered that is I developed severe adult-onset asthma, almost died on two occasions, and traditional medicine had no answer for me. They told me there was no cure. And learn to live with it, take your medication, which was very toxic. And uh, when I began to look at homeopathy, one homeopathic remedy cured me of my asthma. And I said, my goodness, why didn't they teach us this in medical school? So I began, I actually changed my career to look at uh, alternative treatments to help people with chronic eye problems. And I've never looked back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, um, the one thing you're going to be fascinated with, Dr. Cecil, today is we've been studying, our research center here has been studying evaporation of the human body, living with the water vapor and evaporation. And Dr. Cecil's background is extensive with understanding that atmosphere and what causes these relationships. So you'll have some fun with our questions today and what we're going to try to learn. Um, Now, when you were in ophthalmology and you knew about the surface of the eye and the tear film, um, now years ago, I was asked by ophthalmology research if I would study that evaporation of the water loss of the tear film. And when I noticed, because I had never studied the eyes, I had studied the skin, when I noticed that the evaporation of the eyes was being affected by what they had described for dry, causing dry eye. And that dry eye can affect all parts of the body because of the evaporation of that tear film and being connected to the brain and, of course, the rest of the organs of the body would begin to have a relationship to being affected for over-evaporation. So you must have found in your studies that evaporation of the eye can cause a lot of other symptoms. Did you ever run into that with your research? Well, you know, my interest is in keeping the body well hydrated. I have found that one of the contributing factors of all chronic disease is dehydration, not drinking enough water. Mm -hmm. So I encourage my patients to drink plenty of water. Uh, All cellular activity is essential. Mm -hmm. Water is essential for all cellular activity, and as we get older, we become dehydrated, and that adversely affects our body. And, of course, you're focusing on the front surface of the eye, the cornea. And, of course, dehydration will cause a blurring of the vision. It can cause different corneal pathology. It can cause blepharitis, which is inflammation of the eyelashes, and so on. So, you know, proper hydration is essential, and keeping those eyeballs lubricated is essential. Now, have you learned with all that you've done with homeopathy that that dehydration, I call it evaporation first, because when you're evaporating from birth, once you left the pocket of water of your mother's womb and you enter into the womb of the planet to keep you alive, which is the water vapor and the atmosphere, is did you ever study or evaluate that that evaporation of the surface of the eye could be affecting other symptoms of the body 
because that eyelid is open and evaporating. Did you ever study that? Well, this is something, you know, new to me outside of just studying the direct effect of corneal Mm -hmm. dehydration. I'm not aware of it Mm -hmm. causing a systemic problem or a mental, emotional problem. I'm not Mm -hmm. an expert in that area. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't have to be an expert to be evaluating being an ophthalmologist today. We have thousands of ophthalmologists that were concerned about that over-evaporation and the word dry eye. And now that they've found the dry eye causes vision impairment all the way to blindness, they're reacting emotionally because it had been overlooked how the extensiveness of that dry eye is by far greater than they thought. Dr. Cecil, are you on with us? Yes, I am. Dr. Cecil, I want you to meet Dr. Conrad. Uh, Dr. Howdy. This is Dr. Cecil. Hi, uh, Dr. Cecil. Pleasure to meet you on the air. Same here. Um, Dr. Conrad, why don't you uh, tell Dr. Cecil your background? And um, Dr. Cecil, I had you on today to help evaluate um, what is happening with the atmosphere. And Dr. Conrad is an MD, ophthalmologist, extensive background. But he got involved in homeopathy also and uh, found that what was happening with the regular application to the medical field he was in, they had missed something. So, uh, Dr. Condra, why don't you explain to him your background? Well, I don't know if they missed something. They just overlooked a completely different (laughs) method of healing. You know, I was trained as an ophthalmic surgeon, board certified in ophthalmology, and I was a a good surgeon, and I felt that any eye disease uh, could be cut and put back together again. Did a lot of cataract surgery, corneal transplants, etc. Then when I developed a health issue with chronic adult onset asthma and almost died twice, traditional medicine couldn't help me. And I began to explore alternative therapies, and that's when I discovered homeopathy. And homeopathy cured me of my asthma, and that's when I began to look at homeopathy as a modality to help uh, my eye patients who were, had chronic eye disease and who were not doing well with conventional treatment. So my practice now is uh, devoted to using these alternative methods to help folks that are going blind and who have been told by their eye doctor, I'm sorry, nothing can be done. Okay, Dr. Cecil, you want to tell um, the doctor about your background, and then I'll tell him what we've been studying. I sure will, but first, uh, that's extremely interesting. Do you know the name Dr. Perlmutter down in Tampa, Florida? Yeah, Yeah. so he's really taking a a similar approach to really unconventional treatment of, of all kinds of neurological diseases by diet, and it's had huge success just eliminating gluten, but that's, that's a topic for another show. And similar, well, in my book, very similar uh, to your it, approach. In my book, I, I emphasize, I think food is our best medicine. We right. are what we eat. And I like yeah. the quote, I think Thomas Edison said that the doctor of the future would not prescribe any medication, but instead advise the patient on uh, diet and prevention. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree with that more, especially in this country. 
So well, my background. Pardon me. Well, uh, go ahead and tell uh, uh, okay. them and the audience about your background. All right. So my background is I'm a an Earth scientist, and I'm and I've been looking at at our planet from the bottom of the ocean to outer space. And so I I work with NASA and NOAA. I'm a, a hydrologist and a climate scientist by training and by practice. And I've worked with NASA and NOAA and the U.S. Geological Survey for 31 years as a Fed, and now I've been with, with NASA and NOAA on contract in science and engineering support. I'm also an engineer uh, for about six years now, and I uh, have a contract to work with the International Space Station in remote sensing, and, and all my work really is focused on on the Earth and Earth science and what's happening in the atmosphere and, and the analogy that I that really brings it home for me, and we just had our first ever space camp for high school STEM students, science, technology, engineering, and math, two weeks ago here in Asheville. And the analogy I like to use, whether they're STEM students or, or uh, Sharon's audience or I'm talking to other scientists, if the Earth is, the, is a basketball, our atmosphere is a single sheet of paper stretched around that basketball. That's all we have. That's what protects us from, from the sun and from space and from radiation, and that's it. And we're dumping all kinds of energy into that sheet of paper around the basketball, and so everything comes down to being a, an energy balance equation. And, and what's happening in Houston right now is part of that energy balance equation, moving that extra energy around, and nature does it by storm, and Houston's getting completely walloped by this energy balance equation. And so that's what I've been looking at for a number of years, and I'm also uh, about two courses in a capstone project away from a master's in architecture and sustainable design to try to take this weather and climate and earth science experience and really do something with it for society in terms of Okay, so, so what on the science, especially in this country? Selling climate change is, <laughs> we haven't been very successful at it. We've been pretty lousy communicators. And so I've been looking for ways that I could use this experience and, and my training and really bring it back to some societal benefit. And so that's why I was elected to go into sustainable design and renewable energy resources and those kinds of things. So that's a quick synopsis of of where I am and how I got here, and I work in Asheville, well, North reason, Carolina. Uh, the reason I wanted to have both of you on today is the timing of uh, the eclipse and understanding the atmosphere, and um, Dr. Conrad um, himself is very much into the homeopathic um, way of looking at things, but although his background is an MD, he's been a surgeon, but Dr. Cecil, yours has been what is that atmosphere doing to the planet and what is it doing to human life and its health? And it does relate because as my research and my team, we've been learning is that atmosphere, that water vapor, that breath of life, the, the water and in all of our lives is the impact of not only earth, but also human life. I don't care if it's the leaf on a tree. And uh, what we would like to discuss today is we can discuss, let's start out with, uh, before we get into Texas and what has happened there with the hurricane, but let's discuss that eclipse, uh, the uniqueness, Dr. Cecil. That uniqueness of, this, of the eclipse that 
Dr. Conrad Weber saying, as you know, they were saying, don't stare at the eclipse. It's harmful to your eyes. What was the relationship to human life, to the, to the planet, Dr. Cecil, with that eclipse? What was that relationship that was happening? Well, you know, actually, eclipses aren't all that rare. Total, total solar eclipse that you get a chance to see in your lifetime is pretty rare. There's a couple reasons for that, but there is a, a solar eclipse on the Earth about every 18 months. And in just in this century, there'll be 68 of them. And so it's, it's not that rare. However, to see one, to, to, to experience a total solar eclipse is pretty rare. So how does that happen? So if you look at the orbit of the Earth, and it's an elliptical orbit, it's not a circular orbit, and you look at the orbit of the Moon, which is also elliptical, not circular, there's about a five-degree difference between the planes of the, of the Moon's orbit and our orbit. And so for us to experience a total solar eclipse on the Earth, there's two places where our, the planes of our orbits cross, ours and the Moon's. And so the now, moon has Dr. to be Cecil, close we, to us. What I'm after, Dr. Cecil, what I'm after, what has happened in the atmosphere that causes an eclipse? Um, the atmosphere, our atmosphere really doesn't cause the eclipse. I mean, our atmosphere is affected by eclipse and certainly affected by okay, how close say, the moon is to Okay, let's say what is happening to, to the atmosphere. What has happened to the atmosphere and the vapor of the, of the atmosphere for uh, the eclipse to affect the Earth, to be able to have an eclipse, and what was the what is the effect of the on the Earth? Well, again, the, the only way that we see a total eclipse is when those planes of the orbit align, and there's two points that that happens, and the moon is full, and the moon's very close to us. And then we get the total solar eclipse, and it's mm-hmm. and it's a, a very narrow path. And it doesn't, this one was called the Great American Solar Eclipse because continental United States was the only significant landmass that saw this solar eclipse. There's going to be another one in 2024. When when the human eye is so affected by it and they're very worried with the health of the eyes, Dr. Conrad, what do you think? What was causing that for them to be alarmed about you know, the, the problem with a, sol, a solar eclipse is that people tend to stare at it, and because of the darkness of the moon passing in front of the sun, the pupil tends to dilate, so more harmful ultraviolet light penetrates the eye. So, you know, when you're gazing at the eclipse, it can be extremely hazardous. Normally, if you would look at the sun directly at the sun. You would have a lot of glare, your pupil would constrict, and you would have some pain, and you'd look away immediately. You just can't look at the sun, a bright sun, that long. But unfortunately, during an eclipse, uh, because you're focusing on the motion of the moon, uh, the light isn't as bright, but those harmful ultraviolet light rays are penetrating into your eye, and they can cause a lot of uh, serious damage. That's why you need special eclipse glasses to look at it, or you can visualize it, uh, you know, by looking at the reflection on a piece of cardboard. 
Now, Dr. Cecil, the one thing I noticed during that eclipse is the temperature of the planet went changed. And I noticed the, the uh, humidity I was studying that was changing. What do you think that is about? What is happening there? Well, it's, it's just a matter of the, the energy of the sun is being blocked by the moon. So the air temperature will change a, a few degrees Fahrenheit. But it's a very short period of time. I mean, this, this particular eclipse had a shadow path about 70 miles wide. And so that's a, just about a two-and-a-half-minute eclipse. The one coming in 2024 that will go across the continental United States, it's going to have, because of, of the angle of the, of the moon between, between us and the sun, it's going to have about a four-and-a-half-minute path. So the temperatures will cool even more with that one because we're, we're out of direct sunlight again, in the path of the total solar eclipse for four and a half minutes. So that, that changes the air temperature significantly. Um, and, of course, that affects the atmosphere's vapor. It too. certainly does. certainly does. I can give you another analogy. Uh, right after 9-11, you know, at, at any time in, in the afternoon in the U.S., there's between uh, right around 4,000 to 6,000 airliners in the air. And right after 9-11 when we grounded all airliners over the United States, the next day there was a, a measurable one-degree Fahrenheit increase in air temperature. And that's because those jetliners, the contrails, blocked some of the sun's energy. And so the same thing happens with an eclipse. The moon blocks the sun's direct energy on, on, for that path across, across the Earth's surface, and the, the temperature in the atmosphere is noticeably lower. Now, I have a friend who's a scientist, Eric Port Controller, and she said with the atmosphere, they fly all planes deciding on the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere that controls the flight of that plane and other planes to do what they do. It's true. It's absolutely true. See, a lot of people don't realize that our, our Earth is living uh, in, an, er, in a water atmosphere of life as an organism also. The human life is living with water as an organism. And with that evaporation of the earth and the body, and the human body, that evaporation is causing um, what should be studied from now on, never have any time where we're not studying the relationship of that evaporation in that atmosphere is water vapor living with the planet, but also living with the human life because they're both going through symptoms. And, of course, human life, the symptom is out of control. It's like you both have said. You're finding now that the earth is having to nourish itself, number one, with water, but also the plant life on the earth is so important to the organism of the way the earth lives, that soil. We've had guests on here who said, sand is not the earth. It's got to be the soil, the dirt, the soil that is so important. And that's what they're finding out now about food. Nutrition is vital. In fact, Dr. Conrad, we've got surgeons in the medical field that are ophthalmologists that are just, Dr. Philip Payton, Method, Oregon, 
dove into eating habits to help solve his patients by the thousands. Those he got into whole food. So, and then what you just said, Dr. Cecil, about the doctor and whole food. Dr. Payton has been leading the way, along with Cle- Cleveland Clinic, about you are what you eat, that whole food. But the earth goes through that, too. It's a living organism, identical. The, the human life and the earth are identical. Water is the priority to all life to be the first of the of the organism of life to live. Everything else comes second. We're going to take a break for a minute, and we're going to come back, and we're going to discuss, Dr. Cecil, what is happening and why the atmosphere in uh, Texas, uh, what happened there to kind of startle them on this rainfall that they weren't expecting in all parts of uh, Texas. Both of you don't go away, and I'll have some more questions. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. We're now in China, and they're very excited about the vision for their new lifestyle in China with Nature's Tears Eye Mist to be able to supplement the surface of the eyes for dry eye, but also that breath of life to be able to breathe it with tissue culture creative water. We'll be right back and we'll listen to our sponsor. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Conrad, let's talk to with Dr. Cecil about uh, what you both agreed about. The, uh, what you eat is your life, but it's identical to the planet Earth. And where I come from, and you two can take over on this to talk back and forth, the planet should be treated no differently than we're treating our own life, human life. And the human life is living with the organism, the planet. And the breath of life has always been, from the beginning, water, water vapor, and the atmosphere. And the human life, as we found, all those organs that are operating on a percentage of water, and the surface of the eye with the eyelid open and the surface of the skin are subjected to what is happening in the atmosphere, the humidity, 
the um, water vapor. So, Dr. Cecil, would you tell us what you're thinking about the atmosphere and what is happening with this planet Earth to grow the food, to produce the yes. organism of the food to be healthy? Yep, yep. I'll tell you my, my perspective from, from looking at, at Earth science and, and atmosphere for about 40 years now, and I, I take it back to something that I've mentioned on this program before, and that's uh, the Gaia the- theory. And James Lovelock, about 1969, described the planet Earth and the, and the Earth system as behaving like a living ecosystem, a living organism, and that the Earth self-regulates. And what he meant by that was, as we change the energy balance in our atmosphere and in our oceans particularly in our oceans, the Earth self-regulates in response to that energy imbalance. And so as human population grew, as our impact on the planet grew, so have, in recent years, extreme weather events. Because in, go back to the, the analogy I used earlier today, you have this, the Earth is the size of a basketball and our atmosphere is a single sheet of paper stretched over that basketball, that's all we have. And we're changing the energy balance in that daily by using fossil fuels and some other other things that, that are going on. As we increase the temperature of the atmosphere, the water vapor in the atmosphere, the concentration of water vapor goes up, and water vapor is, is an extremely efficient greenhouse gas. You always hear about carbon dioxide, Sometimes you hear about methane. Water vapor is a very efficient greenhouse gas. So as we warm the atmosphere up and we evaporate more water off the oceans, then we tend to even warm the atmosphere up more. And part of that energy balance and moving the energy around, we get extreme drought conditions that last for longer than we've had in in recent drought records. And so it's we can't control how the earth moves that energy around and self-regulates because it is like a living ecosystem, the planet is. I want to ask you, Dr. Cecil, about the pavement. Uh, We have a lot of pavement, uh, concrete highways and sidewalks and and buildings that are built uh, with a lot of, of radiation and and to conduct and conducting heat, would that have anything to do with the Earth's effect other than Absolute. some of the others? Absolutely. If you look at, at megacities on a global scale, and that's the United Nations defines a megacity as, I believe it's something on the order of 10 million people or more. If you look at the, the megacities of the world, the, the weather and the, and the long-term climate around those megacities is changing drastically. And it's not only because of the use, use by that many people of fossil fuels in the megacities, but it's also because of the buildings and the pavement. They're really, really heat sinks. And so mm-hmm. another, another example of that outside the cities is as we warm the planet up and we lose the ice caps that we have at the North and South Poles, then we use the reflectivity of that white snow and ice and we warm the planet up even more. That's right. So as we lose, Mm -hmm. 
and it's the same way in the cities as we as we pave. Now, and that's why you see places like New York and Chicago. Pardon? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here about the windmills. I have a different opinion about the windmills changing the current of the, of the of the water vapor and the atmosphere and temperature. What is your thinking on that? Well, we probably it's a probably I think I know where you're going with that question and it's probably a valid point. That's that's not something that we've necessarily taken into account when we design wind farms, especially near shore wind farms. On the land wind farms are they've got their own issue and I'll talk about that in a minute, but the near shore wind farms what we've traditionally done is look at where the winds are the most sustained and the highest to build the wind farms. We don't know how we're changing how the atmospheric circulation patterns develop from those those kinds of wind farms. And we haven't also considered what what that area, that portion of the earth where we've invested that money and that time and built those wind farms, what's that going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Are we still going to have those sustained winds? And so we, we seem to be looking for ways to supplement and replace the carbon economy that we have, the, the fossil fuels, with renewables like solar and wind, but we go for immediate effects and we don't, do, we don't really do long-term planning and think about how those wind patterns are changing. And, and for example, we're finding, and we're not sure as climate scientists, we're not sure why yet, but we're finding that over the continents of the Earth, that over the last three or four decades, 30 or 40 years, the wind has actually diminished over the I continents. I wondered about that, Doctor. That's why I was asking you, because when we put all that investment into the windmills, and yet we look at the concrete and the way the buildings have been built for decades, the heat condensation that is changing the vapor of the water. Then we're having going out with solar panels. Then we're going out with windmills. And my concern was, are we overdoing the temperature change of uh, from the surface living with the layers of the atmosphere that are very important, they have to sustain. That atmosphere is vital. That's a breath. And if it over-evaporates, that's going to cause all these symptoms of human life and these diseases. But Earth will be going through the diseases also if we look real close. And that's your expertise. That's your background. Well, well the whole idea really is to... To, to take that energy balance equation that we've disrupted in the atmosphere and, and to reverse that energy balance equation and not put the greenhouse gases that trap the sun's energy when it reflects off the surface of the earth, it traps it in our, instead of it going back out to, the spa- to space, it traps it in our atmosphere and it's the greenhouse effect. So the whole idea of switching to solar and wind and, and other renewables, uh, biodiesel, for instance, and, and other renewable energy resources. The whole idea there is to, to reverse that energy balance equation and not have so much of the sun's energy trapped in our atmosphere, to let it escape again back into space. And so that's the whole plan. But as the human population grows, I mean, you look at both India and China, they're over a billion people now. 
and I've talked about this before in your show, Sharon, if you think about mainland China being about the same size as the continental United States, and they're 1.3, 1.4 billion, we're 320, 320 million. So just think about Grants Pass, Oregon being four times the size it is now in terms of population. New York City being four times the size it is now. Miami, four times the size it is now. That's what China's facing. And so when you look at China and India and and they want to live a Western lifestyle, and we're saying to them, well, you need to go to renewables and get away from from carbon, the carbon industry and get away from from, uh, fossil fuels. And they're saying, well, we want to live the same kind of lifestyle you do, but there's four times as many people in that country in the same amount of space. And so those are the challenges that we face is that everybody wants to live a Western lifestyle, but they're not willing to make the sacrifice. They want somebody else to make the sacrifice. And we don't talk that much about population control on this planet because then you run into organized religion and and you run into all kinds of politics. And it really is about how many people are impacting this planet. And what we're doing Have you to that noticed, Dr. Cecil, that yes, the politics, talking about politics, and I I'm, I'm really hate the word politics. I like to call it our elected officials. <laughs> and, uh, our elected officials are not putting at the infrastructure priority water and the air you breathe, the water first. If you had your way, wouldn't you get them convinced that the infrastructure of our planet should be invested in by our elected officials for safety first, which would be water and what you're breathing in the air, the water, wouldn't that, that should be a priority. I, I, yes. I, food and water security and conservation of the, of the natural resources. If we just practice con- conservation on a global scale, and we really planned for food and water security. But when you start talking about those kinds of things, the politics creeps back into it, and people start talking I don't about like it. I hate that word. globalization. They start talking about globalization, so, and everybody yeah, gets upset. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be individuals, and they don't want to be a global community. But um, the atmosphere makes us global. Do you remember that bumper sticker? We are all You're connected. You and I are both about the age. Do you remember a bumper sticker several years ago when they said, I'm taking it with me? You remember they said, you know, in other words, when I die, I'm taking it with me. I'm not going to, I want to enjoy my life while I'm here and I'm taking it with me when I leave. Uh, This is the frightening thing. Uh, Part of what I've learned as the more I study is we're not thinking about long-term eternity. We're not thinking about safety. We're not thinking about the priority of life to be healthy because safety and health go together, and the priority should be water first, nutrition second, and breathing, how you breathe. And it's all water. Um, well, there's, pe- now, there's some people in Houston I'm right now. I'm going to ask you before I forget, before I forget something here. On the eclipses, is it, is it unique that there's a lot of eclipses happening out there that the rest of us don't know? Or is that something that's been going on uh, with the solar system and Earth all along? Uh, Yeah, since we've been able to actually study and document the heavens and space and and our atmosphere, 
the solar eclipses, again, I say they, they average about one every 18 months, a total, mm-hmm. a, a total solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. Even, even more often, partial solar eclipses. So they've been around for a long time, and they've actually been the, the basis of, in, um, for instance, North American native culture and, and native indigenous cultures all over the world have, have reacted to eclipses in, in lots and lots of different ways. For instance, mm-hmm. um, some American natives thought that it was a bear eating part of the moon. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, they've been around for a long time, and we have them, again, about every 18 months. It's just the solar mm-hmm. eclipse where you live is, is pretty rare. To see one mm-hmm. wherever you live... There's a gentleman here in Asheville, North Carolina, that has been fortunate enough to see four total solar eclipses. But he mm-hmm. taught astronomy at one of the local colleges and uh, universities, and so he traveled around the world to see the total, total solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this one raced across the United States in about three hours from Oregon coast to the South Carolina coast and passed over some pretty significant population centers and millions of people drove to see it. It's it's pretty significant right, it to, to, to experience a total I'm going solar. To, I'm going to interrupt you again. Um, now that our Nature Series IMIS is in China to supplement the atmosphere for the people's eyes and the visual vision for a new lifestyle, and handheld portable devices are going to be the new world, the new direction for technology, no different then you learned how to drink water, you learned how to eat food, you learned all the, all the technologies that are available. The atmosphere of our planet, our breath of life, how have you noticed that change? Why you believe with your evaluation it's causing the breath to change of life and, the, and, and people's eyes and uh, why those portable devices will probably be the next technology? Well... Uh, let's go back to China. You know, there are some estimates that China puts a new coal-fired powered um, energy plant, electric plant, online. So I've seen as, some estimates as as often as once a week. I think more real, realistic, probably over the last several years, once a month, China puts a new coal-fired. And we've only got about two minutes left. What What do you think? So, so they're putting you're they're putting a lot of scientists. They're not only changing the balance of the atmosphere and the balance of the water vapor, but they're also putting particulates into the environment that are harmful to everyone's eyesight. And okay. so that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, they're breathing. What we're going to find on all of the planet, and different countries will have different levels of degrees of what's happening to the atmosphere. Do you believe as a scientist that the future of handheld portable new technology to help people supplement their daily life like they're supplementing everything else for the air. You're an atmospheric scientist. What do you think? No, absolutely. I mean, especially when you make it as natural as you you do and don't add chemicals to it, and I think it's, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like we have other technologies. Exactly. Now, real quickly, in Cuba, when they were talking about the sound waves damaging our embassy with a, with a direct sound wave, what do you think, how did they do that through the atmosphere real quickly? You know, I, I, 
I've just heard about that, and I don't really know what the impact was or, or who was well, instigating. Well, I guess they got headaches and people had brain damage because of the yeah, radiology. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know anything about that. You had to get it really. through the atmosphere to do that, doctor. Sure. Well, I mean, just think about you know a few years ago, I I had a flight from New Zealand uh, through Hong Kong to Switzerland, and when I got to the Hong Kong airport, it was absolutely packed with people. And at that time, you know, this has been a number of years ago. I had a, a flip cell phone. It wasn't a smartphone, a little flip cell phone. But in that, in the Hong Kong airport. Everybody had what then were new smartphones. And I mean, think about what's going through the atmosphere every time you get on this cell phone. Right. It's, right. It's, it's, again, it comes back to population and what we're doing to the environment and to our atmosphere and what we're not thinking about in terms of food and water security that are going to, it's going to bite us. We're, food and water security yeah. are going to become paramount. Right. Oh, my, yes. Well, thank you for coming on with us today. I will be talking to you again soon. And I think the doctor, could not, they could not get him back on again. So That's we will try that him again one day. He's been on with us before. But thank you for taking your valuable time and joining us again today. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Bye, Sharon. Bye. Well, today, did you learn a lot about the eclipse? And what is happening out there with the eyes that Dr. Conrad was teaching us is that it's very harmful to the eyes if you stare at it. And then we learned about the atmosphere, the water vapor with Dr. Cecil, and what is happening around the world. We learned about what's happening in Texas uh, at this time with the hurricane that caused the waters to come, enormous change in the atmosphere to have the water come down to what they think will be 50 feet of water, unexpected. And we've learned a lot. And this atmosphere is vital. And the new technologies that we must learn for your health and your safety are going to always be in the water. I want to thank you for listening. Embrace your life, every special moment. But embrace somebody else's for long eternity. But Earth Whispers... Don't say goodbye. Leave something of yourself as a legacy for all the eternity and all those children to come. Thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.